0: He was a widower with a young daughter. Then he took to himself another wife, and perhaps a mother for his young daughter. This new wife was a widow, having lost her first husband. As she had two daughters, this man thought this would be a good fit for his only child. Sometime after this marriage, unfortunately, this man dies, and his daughter who we will call Cinderella, was badly treated by her stepmother. But Cinderella found favour with a fairy godmother who arranges for her to get all dressed up and go to a ball. There, at the ball, Cinderella meets a prince, the prince. They get married and they lived happily ever after. Suffice it to say, Things turned out very well for Cinders, and here endeth the fairy tale. But wicked stepmothers are not confined to the pages of fairy tales. No, they do exist in real life. I am J.A. Lovelock. Welcome to my podcast, In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape and forthcoming episodes, listen as I consider the cases of four stepmothers who treated their stepchildren very badly with dire and grave consequences. Our first story takes us to Bolton in Greater Manchester and here we find Henry and Betty Eccles. Henry was a widower in January of 1841, he had married a Mrs Haslam. She was also widowed, having lost her husband at a young age. But between them, there had four surviving children. They being William, age 15, Richard, age 13, they being Henry's children. They also had two girls, Alice, who was 10 years old, and 9 years old Mary, who were Betty's children. And on the face of it, they looked like a happy family unit in their neat little home in Bolton. Henry was a factory worker and he worked in a factory in Manchester during the week, only coming home at weekends. William and Richard, the two boys, also worked in a factory nearby. The hours were long, and the work was hard, but it meant plenty of money was coming in. In the early part of September 1842, ten-year-old Alice, Betty's own daughter, suddenly died. A couple of weeks later, fifteen-year-old William, Henry's son, came home for lunch. Betty Eccles gave him some food, which he ate, and then returned to work. However, Back at work, William became violently ill. He was sent home. But before he could reach his house, he collapsed and he required the help of a passerby to reach his destination. On reaching home, Betty gave William some tea in the hope of reviving him. That didn't work. Because later that evening, on the 26th of September, 15-year-old William... Was dead. The very next day after William's death, Betty went to the factory where he worked to ask for the 50 shillings burial allowance that they gave out to employees. The factory clerk was quite taken aback to hear that William was dead. Only the day before he had seen William alive and well. And not only that, but on the 10th of September, He remembers Betty Eccles had come to the factory asking for the same 50 shillings to bury another one of her children, 10 year old Alice Haslam. With two children dead from the same household in such a short space of time, the neighbours were concerned, and rightly so. Could they have died from an infectious disease? They wondered. Such were their concerns and fearing there might be a connection that they urged Betty to get a doctor to do a post-mortem on the children. For reasons better known to herself, Betty Eccles refused to have a post-mortem on her dead children. The suspicions of William's employees led them to contact the police, who conducted a post-mortem examination on William, as well as Alice. In their stomachs were large amounts of arsenic. Their young stomachs were riddled with it. Arsenic bought by Betty Eccles in the previous August. No surprise then that Betty was arrested and charged with the murder of her stepson, William Eccles. She went on trial at Liverpool Assizes in April 1843. In her defence, Betty Eccles claimed that on the day William died, she had eaten the same food from the same plate William had eaten. The court felt that that was beside the point. As when William was brought home by a passerby Betty gave him some tea that she had just got ready The court heard that that was an unusual time to have tea ready as William Eccles would not normally be due home at that time On every piece of accusation Betty Eccles gave a spirited denial but all to no avail. She was convicted of the murder of her stepson, William Eccles, and she was sentenced to hang. Why did Betty Eccles kill her stepson? What was the motive? Well, what we now understand and what it seems. Betty heard at the time was that the factory where William worked that they would hand out burial allowances of fifty shillings to her from the burial fund if her stepsons died. Surely a case of a wicked stepmother hanged on the sixth of may eighteen forty three at Kirkdale Prison in Liverpool for the murder. ...of her stepson, William Eccles. A year after Betty Eccles was executed for the murder of her stepson, William Eccles... ...another stepson, another William, met his death at the hands of his stepmother. In the year 1840... 27-year-old Eliza married William Joyce. Her surname before that is not known. William Joyce was a widower and a gardener who lived in Boston in Lincolnshire. He had two children, William Jr. and Emma. His marriage to Eliza gave him another daughter, born at the end of 1842. Whom they called Anne. To all intents and purposes, the marriage appeared to be a happy one, and unlike some of their neighbors round about them, money was not tight, and they enjoyed a comfortable life. But trouble was on the horizon. In October of 1841, Emma died suddenly, apparently of natural causes. And in early 1843, little Anne also died. William, who was 15 at the time, started to become unwell. The doctor was sent for, and in September 1842, he treated William and then William seemed to make a recovery. At the same time that William was ill, Eliza was known to be buying arsenic from a chemist to kill vermins, she said. But during the Christmas period of 1842, William died. But not before making a sworn statement, before the mail, that it was Eliza, his stepmother, who had poisoned him with arsenic. As to be expected, Eliza was charged with his murder and she was to be tried at Lincolnshire Spring Assizes. However, this was not to be. The indictment against her was thrown out on a technicality, reason being, the name of the victim had wrongly given as Edward William Joyce. Even though that trial could not go ahead, Eliza was still kept in custody, and she remained there until the 18th of July, 1843 when she was returned to court to face a charge of attempted murder. At the trial, Eliza claimed that William Jr.'s poisoning was accidental. She said she had spilled some of the arsenic powder on the floor and she had picked it up with a spoon. And later, without washing the spoon, she used the same spoon to give William his medicine. Mm. Did the Jewry buy this interesting tale? They sure did. Well, many others wouldn't. She was rather lucky there, methinks. So it could not be proved that William's death could be attributed to the arsenic that Eliza had given him the previous September before his death. And with that, Eliza walks free in the summer of 1843. William Sr., however, did not share the jury's view of his wife's innocence. He separated himself from Eliza over the strange deaths of his children. And as a result, William threw her out. And she, Eliza, sought refuge in the Boston workhouse to support herself. Now, being in the workhouse turned out to be quite a revelatory experience for all concerned. For while positioned there, in the workhouse, Eliza's conscience got the better of her. She confessed. She confessed to the overseer of the workhouse, and Mr Sturdy, that she had indeed poisoned William Jr. And that's not all. She also told him that she'd also murdered both Emma and little Anne. Hmm. At the time of Emma's death, it was believed she had apparently died of natural causes. But now Eliza is saying she killed her. Killed her with laudanum. In the 19th century, laudanum was cheap to buy and widely used as a painkiller and something to help you sleep. But used in excess, it is dangerous and can certainly cause death. And both Emma and Little Anne, Eliza admitted, were given enough dosage to kill them very quickly. What is interesting is that at the time of Emma and Anne's death, the doctor who attended both girls, a Dr Ingram, certified that they had died due to convulsions. I shall say nothing further about Dr Ingram here. Mr Sturdy, the overseer of the workhouse, asked Eliza why she had killed the children. It is believed that her reply was, I don't know except I thought children are such troublesome things. It will come as no surprise then that Eliza was once again arrested. She was committed to Lincoln Castle for her trial. And on the 18th of July, 1844, she stood trial at the Assizes Court within the castle grounds. The trial lasted less than an hour. Her confessions were read to the court and she agreed they were true. This time, there was no escaping the hangman's noose. On the morning of Friday, the 2nd of August, 1844, four to five thousand people came to watch the hanging, which was to be held at noon. Eliza, described as being in a state of considerable self-possession, and it was said that she was able to discuss the procedure for her execution with the matrons who were on guard. And by the time the clock struck twelve, it was over for Eliza Eccles who became the last woman to be publicly hanged at Lincoln Castle during the 19th century. And she also remains the last woman to be so hanged for a crime that she confessed to. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us again next time as we go behind the yellow tape. Till then. Catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com and also on all podcast providers.
1: History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On conflicted,